Hello and welcome to the Black Millennial Revolution. My name is Kiana Michelle, also known as Key, and you are tuned in to another episode here at the Black Millennial Revolution. So what is going on, community? What is going on? I'm very happy to be back here with you all for another episode. And on today's episode, we are going to be diving in our Psychological Warfare series. I know that many of you all enjoyed last week's episode, and I'm really, really happy to hear that you I really am. I hope it was insightful to you all. You know, that's the main reason why I provide you all with this content is just to get you all thinking. That's really the main reason why. So I'm really, really grateful to hear that you all really enjoyed last week's podcast episode, and I really hope that you all enjoyed this one. So today, you all... We are going to be discussing the music industry and the media's hand in psychological warfare. And I know that last week I did touch upon a little bit um, when I discussed the Jezebel image that the music industry wants to, you know, portray black women as. But I didn't really talk about black men at all. So today I'm really going to be discussing, you know, how the music industry portrays black men in hip hop And, you know, I'll also be talking about colorism in the music industry. Now, you know, there's tons of things we can talk about when it comes to both of these topics. And I probably would, this is, this would be a podcast episode that would be about three hours long, right? So I can't really do it for that long if I'm going to talk about everything that has to do with the music industry in terms of psychological warfare and everything that has to do with the media in terms of psychological warfare. But I truly hope that the topics that I bring up um, really provide you all with further insight when it comes to psychological warfare. So as many of us know, the music industry is very, very selective with the type of black people that they allow in the industry and the perception that they want these black people to come across. So when it comes to women, We have a lot more lighter-skinned women in the prominent roles in the music industry than darker-skinned women. So think about it, y'all. Nicki, Rihanna, Beyonce, Cardi B, a light-skinned woman. Now, Megan, she's up there as well, but Megan is a brown-skinned sister. So where are the dark-skinned sisters at? Where are the dark-skinned sisters at? And I know some people are going to be like, ah, come on. At least there's black women up there. You know, at least we have representation. We really don't because um, we have all different shades of blackness. And in the music industry, in those prominent roles, we're only seeing light skinned black women or racially ambiguous women. Um, Because there are a lot of people that argue whether, you know, Cardi B is black or not. And I know that there were some people that listened to this podcast episode Um, that we're still challenging that notion. So I do want to bring that up. So the imagery that we witness sends messages of colorism out into the black community. That light is right and that dark is wrong. And although some of us, you know, that are listening to this podcast have our own minds, right? And we know that isn't right. And that all shades of blackness are beautiful. In the same breath, a lot of us internalize what we see. A lot of us do. So this is why we see a lot of celebrities that are colorist, especially black men. And it isn't always because of how they are raised, y'all. It really isn't always that. 
It is. It, it can be for some of them now, but it isn't always how they are raised. It isn't. It's really can be just the environment of the entertainment industry. You know, it's a very colorist environment. And if you're around that environment, you know, you either are going to be someone that does not get influenced by that or you will be influenced by it in a negative way. So a lot of these people, you know, they really want to assimilate themselves into the white society and they will adopt these colorist ideologies, not even realizing, y'all, that they are victims of psychological warfare. That they are victims of psychological warfare. Colorism is psychological warfare. In the flesh. So when we see black people that are colorist, that right there lets us know how mentally enslaved those black people are. And that right there is a huge example of psychological warfare. Now, the perception of black men in the music industry has always, it has always been a very, very interesting evolution. It really has. And I remember when I was studying and learning more about Soul Train, right? And I found out that Don Cornelius, who was the host of the Soul Train show, didn't really like hip hop. And that was part of the reason why he wanted to allow someone else in the 90s to host his show. He found that the show was going in a completely different direction and it needed to really reflect the times. And the times that it was reflecting, it was not what he was into. You know, the Soul Train, it came out in the 1970s. So that's when soul music was really prominent, right? So here he is like, what is this? I... You know, I'm not into hip hop. That's not my thing. So he allowed someone else to host the show. And I believe it was Shema Moore. So now we're in the 90s, right? And we have hip hop. But it was really interesting the way black men carry themselves in the 1970s versus how they were portrayed in the 90s when hip hop really became a major and prominent force. And it's also interesting how we went from conscious rap to less conscious rap, to more gangster rap, which promoted violence and gang activity and also negatively impacted several black men in black communities all across America. So now I know y'all that, of course, I know many of these artists wanted to make these songs, you know, that they were making back in the day to be able to, you know, simply talk about their own life experiences. You know, I know many of these brothers were in gangs and, you know, they just wanted to talk about their own life experiences. But the record companies were also really pushing this content out more than ever and promoting it more than ever because of the psychological impact that it would have on the black youth. A lot of gangs emerged in the 90s, y'all, due to hip hop music. And that is exactly what society wants black men to be, just in gangs or doing nothing with their lives. That is exactly where society wants black men to be. That is it. And, you know, I know that many, you know, black men that I know personally, you know, they really do view, you know, their gang life and their gang culture as a family. 
and most importantly, as the family that they never had. But I also know that many of these brothers that are in gangs also don't want to be in them at all. They want to prosper. They want to succeed just like anyone else in life, right? But they lack the confidence and the ambition to do it. But a lot of these brothers are so intelligent and so, so smart. So intelligent and so smart. I remember when I was a City Air Corps member. And for anybody that doesn't know what City Air is, it's an AmeriCorps program that's, you know, it's very well known in America and even in London and South Africa. And um, it's a volunteer program. And I was in this program and I served at a high school in Boston in the ninth grade cohort. And I had a student that I was very, very close to. And this student was, you know, affiliated with gangs around his way. And he also got in a lot of trouble in school, a lot, a lot of trouble. But, you know, I got along with him. You know, I really did. I saw, you know, something in him that a lot of people did not see. And him and I had just a great relationship to the point he would, you know, introduce me to a lot of, you know, the gangster rap that he was really into. He, you know, introduced me to FBG Duck. And I remember I told him, I really don't like you listening to this guy. You're 15 years old and you're listening to someone talking about shoot this person, do this to this person. Really, really graphic, graphic music. And I'm not um, in no way, shape or form going to... Um, disrespect FBG Duck um, because I know that he just recently passed away, you know, which is really, really unfortunate. And it really is once again, you know, a prime example of what the gang life does to black men. But, you know, my student really liked him and he really liked his music. And, you know, a lot of people just associated that student as someone that was just, you know, lacked ambition or just was a goof or just didn't want to do his work. You know, even a lot of the kids, even some of the kids that didn't want to do their work as well, they still will view him as lesser than like, oh, well, you know, I got a little stuff done, but this dude, like he's just off his rocker. You know, he just loves to be, you know, like the class clown. So he just hasn't, doesn't have to do any of his work, you know, but it wasn't until one day, you know, his history teacher said to him, you know, Blank, blank. I don't want to say his name. So I'll just call him blank, blank. (laughs) Blank, blank. Why don't you read out loud for the class? You know, that was her way to get him to stop being rambunctious and to pay attention. Why don't you read out loud for the class, you know, and, and read along with us? Next thing you know, you all, this this brother decides to read, right? And not only is he one of the best readers in the class, he is one of the best readers in the grade. I'm talking about fluency on another level. Reading, reading, reading to the point. His teacher and I are looking at each other like, what? What? It got to the point that when she wanted other people to read, When they would start reading too slow and she was like, man, I really want to, you know, have these kids read to get them better at their fluency. But I also want to get my lesson done. She would just call his name to get the, you know, reading done because he read on another level. And that right there, you all, is a prominent example of how smart our brothers are, our young men are, right? How gifted they are, right? but how much they are negatively impacted by the music of today. 
after that year that I was in city year, that student got shot. And although he survived, he got shot because of the environment that he decided to be a part of. But he was negatively influenced by the music that he listened to. Negatively influenced by the music that he listened to. And you know, the thing is, y'all, I know that conscious rap isn't everyone's thing, right? I know that. I'm not trying to push down everyone. I know that conscious rap isn't for everyone. I completely, completely understand that. But we really have to ask ourselves, why doesn't it really exist anymore? Like, why? How do we go from artists in the 70s using their voices and their platforms to speak about injustice in the black community, such, like, such as Marvin Gaye, or even Nina Simone in the 60s, but now we hardly have people making music that reflect the times. That's why I, you know, personally am, am proud of the rapper Little Baby for making that song he did during the pandemic. You know, I know a lot of people felt like he was pandering because it's not the music he typically does. But I honestly feel like as an artist and as a black man, he felt like he had to say something. And I respect him for using his platform to make music that reflected the times, you know, so it's really important to have music that reflects the times. So in terms of music, we really have to be conscious of what we consume you all. You have to ask yourself, is this really feeding my mind for the better? You know, I know we are still young, especially the millennials that are born in the late 80s and the 90s. And we have to have fun at times. And, you know, we like to turn up. You know, I get it. But when you reach a higher state of consciousness, y'all, some of those songs you want to be able to listen to, you know, you're not going to be able to listen to those songs anymore. I guarantee it. You know, I remember I used to really like the Migos and I still respect their journey. But after 2017, y'all, I couldn't listen to them anymore. I found myself feeling dumbed down and questioning, you know, what I was even listening to. I'm like, are they even making sense? Like, what was I listening to? And mind you, that was only a year later. That was in 2018 when I started to feel that way. That was only in 2018. Only one year later from me listening to them really heavily in 2017. So more of it all, be conscious of the music that you all consume. You know, because the music industry, especially in the modern day, is actively trying to negatively impact the minds of black youth. Which is why I said in a pandemic, a song like WAP does nothing for the world or the black community. All it does is keep many people asleep and in a lower state of vibration. And that is just facts. It's facts. It's facts. It's facts. It's facts. That was not female empowerment. And if you feel that way, it's in the end when you will realize it wasn't. It wasn't. The media. Ah, the media. (laughs) The media. The media. Y'all, media is a very powerful tool. Very, 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 very powerful. Very powerful. And I realized that when I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid and, you know, my grandmother really, really liked the news and, you know, um, not the news. She liked to really watch Oprah. Hold on, y'all. I'm outside recording this podcast episode and I'm sweating bullets in my car. I had to low down my my window because I'm like, you know what? If I don't low down this window, this podcast episode will not continue. (laughs) 
But my grandmother, she really loved Oprah. And we would watch Oprah every day. And after Oprah, the news would come on. And when the news would come on, I would immediately feel my vibe and my energy would start to change immediately. And I would always question and wonder, why is my vibe changing? Why, why do I immediately feel so weird and different when the news comes on? And it's because of the negative energy that the news has, right? So now think about the way the news and just the media as a whole portrays blackness. Do they ever portray blackness in a positive light? No, not really. No, no, no. They want to portray blackness in a negative light so that it negatively impacts how black people feel about themselves but that it most importantly affects how society feels about black people. That is exactly what they want. That's exactly what they want, right? And excuse me, y'all, you know, I, like I told y'all I'm outside, so I'm sorry if y'all hearing that noise. So you really got to think about that and question, why don't I really see, you know, positive representations of blackness in the media why why don't i why don't i really see that why why because it's all a part of the psychological warfare y'all why are people why is as a society that is trying to bring black people down and make black people feel bad about themselves ever going to show black people in a positive light why that's never going to happen you know, that, that, and it's rare. And if it does happen, it's a rare case. Like, oh, you know, let's, let's you know, show this. And like on Ellen, you know, we would have Ellen, you know, um, do positive things for black people, right? But then you find out Ellen is a mean person, right? And Ellen, Ellen is, you know, a racist, right? So it's really, 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 really important for us to recognize that the media has a huge hand in this psychological warfare thing. They really want black people to feel badly about themselves. And by making us feel badly about ourselves, they want to constantly show us negative image of blackness. That's why a lot of black people, they associate blackness with only struggle. They associate blackness with only darkness. Because that is what the media shows them. So in their mind, they're like, dang, if this is all the media is showing me about blackness, you know, I, I, I think this way too. And this is why we have a lot of brothers and sisters that really don't love themselves and don't love being black, which is also a part of the psychological warfare, right? If you show people negative images about themselves, it will break them down enough to the point that they will not love themselves. And it will break them down enough when they don't love themselves, they will not unite and they will not want to come together as a people. So this is a big deal, you all. This is a very, very, very big deal. And, you know, this past quarantine, I actually watched a documentary called Soldiers with Swords. I definitely recommend that you all watch. Um, I found it on YouTube, so you all can just type it in and watch it. And it was about 
Black-owned media and the Black press. And I really learned a lot. I learned about, you know, how, you know, the Chicago Defender helped a lot of Black people move, you know, from the South to the North to get better opportunities in search of better opportunities and prosperity. I learned how, you know, white people did not want that, you know, outlet to even exist. They didn't even want black owned media outlets to even exist because they didn't want black people to tell other black people the truth. And that's something that we really have to think about even until modern day. There aren't a lot of black owned media outlets that exist. There aren't. There aren't. And it's because of that reason that they don't want black people to tell other black people the truth. You know, and in Boston, we have a few black owned media outlets that are really impactful in the community. But we also have had black owned media outlets that have been taken down or have been closed down. And it really has impacted a lot of us and made us side eye you know, you know, the community of Boston, like what's going on here? Why are you all taking away our black owned media outlets? Why are you all doing that? So you really have to understand, even think about your own city and state. Think about your own city and state. You know, do you have a lot of black owned media outlets? Do you have a lot of them? So you really, uh, you all, I really apologize about this noise in the background. You know, I, I really thank you all for tuning in and listening to me, but I am so annoyed. You know, I'm sorry we're in quarantine still. I'm not able to go to the studio and do this. So I really, really, really hope that you all understand, you know, but I really, really, really apologize about this. I really do. But please stay with me. And the noise just went off. So please stick around. The podcast episode is almost done, but please stick around. So you, you really, really, really have to think about that. You know, in your own city and state, do you have black owned media outlets that are out? And, you know, if you do, that's amazing. That is amazing. But if you don't, you know, isn't that a problem? And even if you do or you don't, we, the moral of it all is we don't have enough. As a community, we don't have enough. And we need more black media outlets. And we need more insightful black-owned media outlets than reactionary. And what I mean by that, we have a lot of reactionary content out. Like gossip blogs, celebrity blog sites. And that's not what the community needs. We don't need more black people talking about black celebrities and stuff. We don't need that. That's reactionary content. We need more insightful content. And even when I bring up celebrities, you know, in my podcast, you know, I'm trying to awaken you all to things. You know, I'm not here to talk about, oh, did y'all hear what just happened with Tory Lanez and Megan Thee Stallion? Oh, shoot. Oh. Even though that there's a lot of symbolism there within the community, there is. I'm not here to gossip about that. You know, that's reactionary content and that does nothing for the community. We need more insightful content. We need more empowering and inspirational content. That's what the community needs. This reactionary content is actually low vibrational. It really is. So that's why after you watch that stuff, although it's funny and although it's giggles, it really does nothing for you. It doesn't feed your soul. It doesn't, you know, bring you at a higher state of consciousness. It doesn't give you more knowledge. All it tells you is someone else's business. It does nothing for you. Nothing for you. And I'm not coming at anyone. You know, I like my tea. (laughs) You know, I, I definitely like my dose of tea here and there. But at the same time, I'm also very conscious of the fact that I can't consume all that stuff all the time, especially as I'm getting older. 
And that's something that I have even had to tell myself during this pandemic and even in this quarantine, you know, that you really have to um, distance yourself from a lot of this reactionary content. You really do, because it is low vibrational. So for any of you all that are probably thinking about right now, you know, doing a podcast or um, doing a YouTube channel or anything that pertains to media, I definitely recommend it. I definitely recommend that you all strive to do more insightful, you know, content that will really help this community out. And only you all know what that can be. Maybe it's sharing your own story, your own life stories, anything that will really help out someone else in the community. But I definitely recommend it. You know, we definitely need more black podcasters. We definitely need more black YouTubers or, you know, black writers or bloggers. We definitely need that. So if you are thinking about that or you've been thinking about that during this pandemic and quarantine, definitely get on it. You know, you all, like I've said before, I'm doing this podcast right on my phone with Anchor. And, you know, it's you could download it. It's free. So if you all have been thinking about, you know, getting your voice out or getting your story out, definitely do it. You know, because the community needs it. The community does need it. We need more, you know, black people, especially black millennials, inspiring and empowering each other because we are the new leaders. Right. And remember, I made a podcast episode talking about how we really don't have a lot of leaders. We really don't. And so it's really important for us to start creating more leaders in our generation. It really, really, really is. You know, it's really important for us to get more um, insightful Black-owned media content out. It really, really is because it really does empower us. It does. You know, I, you know, am truly so grateful when you all reach out and let me know that this podcast is positively impacting your life because that's the main reason why I'm here y'all you know I know that I as a human being I don't have all the answers right I know I don't have all the answers to life but if I have knowledge or insight it's greedy and selfish to hold it right it's greedy and selfish to hold it So it's really, really important for me to share it with the world, just as it's really important for you all to share your own knowledge or your own insight with the world as well. So I really encourage you all, anybody that has been thinking about it or sitting on these ideas of getting their voice out in any way, it doesn't have to be your actual voice. It could be you even writing. Remember, I said you could, you know, be a writer or a blogger. I encourage you all to do it. You know, we definitely need more black people getting their stories out and helping each other out. You know, you all can check out Blavity. That is a, you know, media outlet for black people that want to write and get their voices out. So if you all want to check that out, you all can do that as well. So you all thank you so much once again for tuning in to another episode. As always, I truly appreciate it. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode here at the Black Millennial Revolution. And I hope you all have a great one. Bye now.